0: 27 years that I could bring down here and things I'd love to preach and I asked the Lord to give me something I didn't I mean I've been around brother Shane a few times I've never been down here and I asked the Lord to give me something to try to be a help and encouragement uh, to you and to the church and brother Austin him and his sister they have drove down and brother Austin's a young preacher and I try to tell him what my brother used to tell me my brother used to tell me uh, when he'd get ready to go and preach on a platform, a seven, eight, nine hundred, a thousand, he'd say, Jimbo, I'd rather be up in the mountains with a little church and a pastor that's seeking after God, And because I, I feel like Brother Kirk said today, I just, I, I just feel, I feel inadequate to stand before you, but it is our place and God's allowed it. So uh, in Exodus chapter 17, let me just read a couple of verses, we'll try to get there as fast as we can. And in verse number 11, the Bible said, It came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. You can be seated. Thank you. For standing, I want to go back and quickly give you a little bit of introduction to this text. Most of you are familiar with it, and I want to preach, if the Lord would help us, I don't always give a title, but I want to preach on holding up the hands of the man of God. And I really believe this, and I'm, I'm 50, however old I am, 55, 6 years old now, and I really believe that the office of a pastor, I believe that's the highest calling in the ministry. I'm not belittling the evangelist. My brother was an evangelist. I'm not belittling the missionary that's to take the word of God. But God give a, a special call to the pastor. And I know that in these days, you know, it seems to be overlooked and downplayed. And, uh, but there's still some men of God that are studying tonight that's going to meet up in these hollers and down here in these plains. And nobody may ever know them. They may, may never have their name in lights, but they're going to feed the flock of God. And it's going to honor God, and God's going to honor them. And I pray that the Lord would help us to just hear the burden tonight. I, I did address this text about 20-something years ago when I first started, but I didn't really know a lot, and I preached with zeal, and this seems like the Lord just kind of winked at the zeal. Uh, but things change over time, and I, I pray the Lord would help us to share some things that, that's hard for the man of God to preach to his church. It's hard for the pastor to stand up and preach. I want you to hold uh, my hands up. And, and I think that's a missing ministry of trying to come in and help the men of God and their wives and their families. And, and uh, there's a whole lot you could say right there. But I, I, think there's a, I think there's a message, if we can get there soon, that the Lord will help us with. I read Arthur W. Pink's book on gleanings in Exodus. And I read Theodore Epps' book on Moses. And I read John Gill. And I read Barnes. And I looked at some that the pastor had down there in the study. And they all deal in this text with the the Amalekites and the conflict. And they deal with the battle. Uh, But nobody deals with the man and the ministry. Nobody deals with the people and the problems. And I know there's beautiful types and pictures. And I pinned a a couple of them down. The types, the shadows, the intercessory prayer, the rock, of course, being a picture of Christ. In verse 15 and 16, that covenant altar. And then with Amalek, those two natures. And and I love the types and the shadows and the pictures. But what I see in this text is a man of God that has done all he can, as long as he can. And if somebody don't come to his aid... uh, uh, they're going to be defeated. Uh, they're going to be defeated. There's going to be death. They're going to be overtaken. They're going to become prisoners. Uh, uh, there's people in this text that have problems. Uh, uh, the man and his ministries, where we're going to get to. But I thank God for some servants that stood up uh, and they come to the aid of the man of God and they stood with him and they stayed with him uh, and God honored it and the people of God were victorious. I'm not going to read all these verses verses for sake of time, but in verse number 17, in the first three verses, I want you to see the chiding, if you will, the chiding of the people. Moses, he said there in verse number 2, wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, why chide you with me? Wherefore do uh, you tempt the Lord. Uh, uh, that word chide, it means to hold a controversy. It means to debate with. It means a heated argument. Uh, uh, It wasn't Moses that told uh, uh, them to go. He's under the leadership of God. Uh, uh, Why didn't they go tell God? Why didn't they uh, get upset with God instead of the man of God? Uh, According to Exodus chapter number 12, there were 600,000 men beside uh, the children. This wasn't one or two families complaining. Uh, I'm talking about a great number uh, of constant complaints and the chiding uh, that goes along with it. Uh, There's that chiding nature. They murmured. That word murmured, it means to stop. It means to be stubborn. Uh, It means to bow up and to bow out. And that must have been our ancestors, the Baptists right there, uh, uh, because I've seen them stop and I've seen them bow up. Uh, I've seen them blow in and I've seen them blow out. Uh, And the man of God's got a burden. The man of God cares. Uh, And the man of God, Moses, he's concerned. Uh, uh, He doesn't turn on them. He doesn't lead them back to Egypt Uh, uh, He loved them He interceded for them uh, And He did His best To handle the constant complaining Of the people This is just introduction And we'll get somewhere in just a moment But in verse number 4 I wished I'd have seen this brother Bobby Years ago In verse number 4 You hear His cry To the potentate You ever seen, have you ever known that your man of God cries? Do you ever know that it's not just all late night and and been out fishing and playing golf and whatever and you come in and you throw something together. Don't you know the real man of God that cares and is concerned uh, his heart's broke when yours is broke. uh, His heart's weary when you've got wayward loved ones uh, sons and daughters uh, and Moses he comes in verse number 4. Moses cried unto the Lord saying what shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me the passion of Moses that word cried there it means to shriek like these preachers have done raise that loud voice it also means to shed tears sometimes it's both of those definitions together Do you ever understand the constant chiding, the complaining, the problems? And I'm telling you, this in November, uh, Brother Shane, this is where God led us uh, uh, to try to get some help, uh, uh, not just uh, be able to be part of meeting and enjoy it all uh, and then just go on about our way, uh, but to get some help tomorrow uh, and next Wednesday night and next Sunday uh, and the men of God can go home uh, and the people of God can be encouraged. if there's ever been any real thing done in these days, uh, it'll live beyond these seven nights. John Gill said it revealed the deep distress that Moses was under. Moses crying, he said he said, there, what shall I do unto this people? To me, it shows the perplexity of his mind. What shall I do? What else can I do? I'll call Brother McBride. I'll call Brother Whittemore. Been in this thing a long time. I'll get some of them old Arthurs down. And surely they've encountered this. I mean, what can I do? I'm telling you, you've got a good man. There's good men here. But if Ants said that man at his best is at his best just man. I'm telling you, they'll fail. They'll come short. Moses is crying unto the Lord. The passion of Moses. See, it breaks the heart of a real man of God when families leave the church. I'm in the best church in the country, in the world. There's not a better church than where I pastor. There is not a better church. But in the last eight years, there's been people leave. See, I used to, when I first started, I won't tell y'all who I run around with. You you don't want, you young preachers, you better be careful about dropping names because you get associated with a lot of things. But Brother Bobby, I remember some of them, we used to be around, they said, bless, and I don't even say bless God anymore, but they'll say, bless God, they look better going than they do coming. And I'd hear them say that, and boy, I'd I'd put me a bless God in there, and I'd grab down into second, drop the club, they look better, until it was some that I'd tried to pastor until it was something you had invested in and wept over uh, and you went to the courthouse with and you was at the hospital with uh, and then here they go and it breaks your heart uh, and you don't know what to do. What shall I do uh, under this people? Uh, he can't turn to Aaron. Aaron doesn't know. Uh, he can't turn to any of a brother or a sister in the faith. Uh, he turns to God and said, What shall I do unto this people? when families leave I guess one of the most hurtful things I've ever heard in the ministry Brother Wayne is this "Is I'm not getting fed I took that personally Now you can study or not study you can do whatever you, but they may out preach me but I don't want them to out prepare me they may have more of a vernacular and may have a more of a bit, but I don't want them to out-prepare me. And the people of God that you love, you come in and you try to set a table and you try to study and you try to burn the midnight oil and you come in and you set a table and you've not just pulled it out of the golden nuggets or off the internet. You've tried to get it from God and then for them to make statements, we're not getting fed. We're going to go down the road. We're just not getting the help that we need. No wonder Moses from the chiding and the murmuring of the people he cries out unto the Lord, what shall I do? The perplexity of his mind. It reveals his infirmity. What shall I do? It reveals his inability. He can't do. There's the, re- the realization of his interest. What shall I do under these people? He cared. See, if they can leave and you don't care, something's wrong. And I mean, if you can go without the touch of God and without that atmosphere and just kind of go through the motions and draw a paycheck and go on down the road, uh, something's wrong. Uh, But I'm telling you, when the people hurt and you hurt uh, and you're trying to minister and be a part uh, and let this be a hospital, that lost loved ones and wayward members can come in and get help. uh, I'm telling you, Moses is broken. He's broken. And he cries to the potentate. Now, this is, I'm the last as far as tonight. Brother Caleb can wipe it all up tomorrow. But watch what he says here at the end. He said, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. This I call the peril of the ministry. Now, I don't think anybody here may have rocks. There may be some nine millimeters. There might be, my wife has three or four. She clatters when she walks. I don't think anybody's gonna shoot him, but I don't think they're gonna shoot you tomorrow. I don't think we're gonna get shot before we get out of here. And this is not just a statement. But Lindsay, he didn't put this in here just to fill the right side of my Schofield Bible up. Moses was afraid they were gonna stone him. So let me bring it down to two thousand nineteen. Do you understand, preacher, you might be one meeting away from being put on the road. You ever ever tried to understand what it is to live under? Now you say, preacher, army men, they do that. I'm talking about the call of God. I'm talking about in the ministry. I'm talking about what Moses said. He said, the people there, they be ready to stone me. Have you ever witnessed how a day can change? I've sat in meetings where they made up allegations that were not true. And all you can do then is try to outlive them. You can't go and fight every ghost and you can't fight and you can't trail everything. It's like the old timers used to say about taking a feather pillow, getting up on top of the, uh, the tallest building and cutting it open and letting it go in the wind. You can try to do that and say you're sorry, but to be able to go back and find every feather and put it back in. Uh, uh, that's the thing about gossip. That's the thing about lies. Uh, uh, Moses is crying. He said, they're ready to stone me. They're ready to stone me. And see, and I know we're just adding a little bit to this to make it applicable tonight. But see, everything he goes through, his wife goes through. And Buster tried to tell me years ago, he said, your wife deserves a place to live somewhere where she can hang her hat and she can put a nail, a hole in the wall. Uh, uh, He said, I don't care if if it's a single wide trailer or up on top of a mountain mansion. Uh, It's hers, uh, somewhere that can belong to her. Uh, And see, when the man of God's broke and he's weeping, uh, uh, the wife sets it home. Uh, She's helping him bear his burden. Uh, She was not called into the ministry. Uh, uh, She concedes to the will of God for the man of God. Uh, This thing is getting better bigger and bigger upon the hands of Moses. Notice what happens. Talking about this thing of stoning. See, very few, if anybody, really knew Moses. You've got Joshua down here in just a minute. You've got a bunch of art, But very few ever knew their man of God. Do you know your preacher? Do you know him? Are you able to do like Epaphroditus and minister to his wants? Are you even close enough to know? I'm not talking about boats. I'm talking about the need. I'm talking about the burden that he carries. I'm talking about doing what these two men are getting ready to do. Get under the load. Give him some rest. Give him some help. Give him some encouragement. I've watched years of trying to maintain a testimony... Be tested and tried. I've had friends, I'm sure you did, believe the allegations. It's no wonder every week, just about, I hear they're either falling out of the ministry. Or pastors are leaving the pastorate and going into mission work. They're going into evangelism. And I'm going to tell you, if the local church don't stay strong, the missionary is not going to get to go. You'll not be able to get the support to go out. Uh, uh, the evangelists won't have a work to minister to. Uh, uh, God help. God help to see. I've went home several times. And looked into the face of my wife and my kids with that perplexity of Moses. And I've had them look at me like, what are we going to do now? Last year, at the fall of last year, my oldest son, you met him up there, Zeke. Because of something that happened years ago in the ministry. If I get out of line, preacher, you stop me. Because of what happened years ago in the ministry, my oldest son got hurt. I thought he was I thought he was not going to stay in church and brother Bobby he got bitter and had it not been by the grace of God he'd have probably went headlong into the world Now I, I won't go through all of that because I want to get to these last two verses but God helped him God did a work. And where I'm at now, the best church in America, I got three deacons. Up there, where was I? Brother Dwight Banks's. they sung a song, we all got happy. You know what I was crying about in the altar? For the first time, for the first time in 25 years, I've got deacons that are with me. And they're for me. And we're on the same page. Uh, and I'm not snapping and jumping. to uh, their cliques and clans. Uh, and and I just, it just dawned on me. And God said, you better thank me uh, that you got some men uh, that are around you and for you. Uh, but here's what they were going to do, Brother McBride. They were going to give me a raise. They're all the time wanting to give raises. If I told you what all they did, it'd depress most preachers. So my elder deacon. Whenever you do come up there and preach for us, you'll see me and Brother Harm sit over here. He's an old timer. Then I got two younger deacons, and they're good, godly men, Brother Kevin. I'll tell you what he said about you after church. Same thing you said about him. Best thing he could say is he's real. And they want to meet it the way we do at church, and you've been there, we go downstairs. And we talk and we discuss, whatever. We don't have monthly meetings. We don't, I'm telling you, I'm in the best church in America. We don't have conference and we don't have this. We go down there and talk about it. And if it's something big, we talk to the men and we just go on. We don't give no try not to give no room for debate. But my son saw Brother Harm. And Brother Harm said, I want to talk to you downstairs. That's just the way he is. I said, okay. But Zeke saw it. And his mind went back. Brother Kevin came. Brother Brian and we walked down. And they're solemn about church business. It ain't a joke. And we're walking down through there and my son's watching. And we go down and they want to give me a raise. They ask if there's anything I need. Is there anything else they can do? But when I drove home, pulled up at our church parsonage, there was my son out there pacing back and forth. He's pacing back and forth. And I get out and I go up and I said, what are you doing out here? He said, they're going to make us move, ain't they? He said, I saw them take you down there, daddy. We're going to have to move again, ain't we? I'm telling you, this, this is more. This is not This is not an organization. It's an organism. Uh, these are real lives and your lives matter. Uh, and the lost lives matter. Uh, and the family of the preacher, the man of God, their lives matter. said we're gonna have to move again ain't we daddy i said no son i said no and i go in and my wife she's like martha she's in the kitchen she ain't saying a whole lot but she said what was that about i said it's all right see i couldn't go there when brother davy resigned because she was broke the best christian i've ever known besides my mother was my wife but she got broke in this thing She got broke, Brother Bobby. I'm telling you, she got broke. Uh, I didn't know. I mean, I've seen them preachers down through the years and their wives didn't come. Uh, And I was this young buckshot. And I'd say, well, they're lost. They ain't right with God. They're home watching soap operas. Uh, I'm going to tell you, some women have been so hurt. uh, They've seen their man of God get so broke uh, uh, that it's hard to ever trust again. See, if you never put your heart into anything, you don't have to worry about it getting broke. You don't have to worry about getting hurt. But when you put your heart in it and you clean Sunday school rooms and you wipe the snot off of little bus kids uh, and you put your heart into it uh, and you cook and you go and you clean uh, and your heart gets broke, uh, sometimes it's hard to trust again. i got to hurry. Look at verse 5 and 6. In verse number 5 and 6 and 7, I, I just want you to see something. Verse number 5, and the Lord said unto Moses, go on before the people. All I want you to see right there is the Lord said to Moses, go on. I don't want to act super spiritual, but every now and then you're going to have to get a word from the other world. Uh, The brethren may say resign, let them have it go. Uh, But I'm telling you, God called Moses. God commissioned Moses. Uh, And God told Moses, you go on. Now what does he say in the next verse? Uh, In verse 6, behold, I will stand before thee. Uh, Brother Caleb's family, they sing his brother. Uh, They sing when everybody walks out, uh, that's when he walks in. Uh, uh, God told Moses I'm going to be with you Uh, I'm not going to forsake you Uh, I'm not going to abandon you but watch verse number 7 and he called the name of the place and I'll not pronounce it right but let's say it's Mesa and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel that word Mesa they say it's the place of testing Jones Bible dictionary said it's the place it's the place of tempting or temptation. Meribah is a place of quarreling. That's what that's what Moses named. See he never got over what they did in those first four verses. Ma'am, sir. And I'm talking about this to any Christian and I you may have been hurt. And you may have this super spiritual crowd they come they say, "Oh, just get over it." Just get over it. You know, and I'm glad the grace of God will help. I'm glad the grace of God in time will give strength. But I'm going to tell you, if we could learn from our bitterness. If we could learn some lessons. I don't think Moses ever got over those first four verses. He called that place Massa Meribah. In verse 8, 9, and 10, I'm not even going to deal with it. There's the constant problems. Out of everything he faced in the first seven verses, then came Amalek. You know what Amalek's the type of? It's the flesh. For some reason, well, I, I think I know the reason now, For but a, a lot of people think that the men of God are above sin. You know why I believe they think that? Because we portrayed ourselves as supermen. Uh, uh, we're bionic Baptists. Nothing affects us. Uh, we've got to inline to God. He talks to us, and we talk to Him. Uh, uh, when the evidence and the truth is, is that Moses, they warred with Amalek. How many are falling to the flesh? You say, we got a short fuse pastor. We got an educated pastor. We got a go-getter pastor. You don't think he wars with the flesh? And I don't even know him that well, but I know he's a man. And I know he don't live in Asheville, North Carolina, thank God right there. Because you have to explain it when you get up there. I didn't say it, but I'll say amen. Sodom and Gomorrah is about what it is. Do you ever pray for your preacher not to fall? We're quick to talk about them after they do. I've met that crowd down through the years and they got those spiritual glasses uh, and they put them on and they say, Oh, I knew. I knew that young preacher would never amount to nothing. Uh, I saw something in the way that young lady walked. Uh, I saw the way she looked and he, I just knew something was going to happen. Uh, well, God help. If you knew something was going to happen, uh, why didn't you stop them? Uh, why didn't you say, Hey, sis, uh, you don't need to be walking like that and looking like that. Uh, why didn't you pull the uh, that young man? Under your arm and say, "You better be careful. You better get rid of that." God help us. God help us. There's the weight of sin that was upon—I mean, the weight that was upon him. There's the worry that hung over him. But here's where we want to get to, and we'll be done. Notice in verse number eleven, the collapse—the collapse of Moses. Bible said and it came to pass. I don't know how long the amount of time was. I don't know if it was weeks or hours or days. I don't know how long. But for some, it's been a long time. We try to hold our missionaries up in prayer. I have a special place in my heart for the evangelist. Because my brother was one. He never pastored. He studied to pastor maybe one day. But he was a pastor to pastors. Brother Stacy Piercy, I had him coming in before Christmas just to, just cause he's an evangelist. They don't get a lot of bookings and meetings when it gets a, when it gets November and December and January. You got Christmas programs, you got Thanksgiving, and all that. I just we just wanted to be good. To, it snowed and he didn't get to come. We still sent him the honorary. Do you ever hold him up in prayer? The collapse that came to pass, but then you see the personal travail. The Bible said when Moses held up his hand. He's having to do it alone. It's all resting on him. I know, I've heard it. I I guess whoever said it was smarter than me, Brother Bobby. But they said the church rises or falls upon leadership. I can understand that. That's an educated statement. But it shouldn't all Rise and fall upon his shoulders. Moses is doing it as long as he can. Moses hadn't asked anybody. He hasn't called for any aid, any special meeting. Uh, he's doing it as long as he can. Uh, one writer said he would hold it up in his right hand uh, and hold it as long as he could and then it would get weak. Uh, and then he would hold it up in this hand and he would hold it as long as he could uh, and he would get weak. The thing about it is when his hands fail, uh, uh, the Amalekites started winning the war. The personal travail when Moses held up his hand. Moses is a great man. He's God's man. But he's still just a man. He's trying to do his best. It's his will to. He wants to. He don't want it to fall on his, on his watch. But then when it got to be too much. The Bible said in, when he let down his hand. In the latter part of verse number 11. See it can get too much. And see, in the size churches most of us pastor, the bigger church, and I'm all for them. I love them. I try to pray for them. But they have associates, and they have those that can get under the burden. And and Brother Sammy Allen says, there's no such thing as a small church, little church. You may have a little number, but there's no such thing as a little church. But in the littler numbers, you're able to raise that flock. But in where most of us are, the majority of it falls upon the shoulders of the man of God. I don't even know who your wife is tonight. I don't want to know. I'm, going, I'm headed out of here as soon as I get done. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how activities, dinners, programs, it all falls. I watched your wife up there. And wasn't it her daddy or her grandfather that passed away in the meeting? and she's up there working and laboring and she's getting ready to go bury the man that was influential in her life see Aaron and hers getting ready to see something and a lot of us see it but the difference in us and them is they're going to do something about it there's a prevailing torture see when he couldn't do it Israel when he could do it Israel prevailed but when he couldn't Amalek prevailed one man said this, and I didn't really understand it till he said it. The greater war wasn't in the valley. The greater war was up there. It didn't matter if the Amalekites had panzer tanks and flamethrowers. As long as his hands were up, God had ordained a way for victory to take place. Uh, and the ordained divine order of God was for them to hold up the man of God's hands. Uh, and as long as they did, Israel prevailed and Amalek was defeated. Uh, God give a simple divine order. <laughs> There's a prevailing torture. The problem became too much. Notice in verse number 12, the Bible said, but Moses' his hands were heavy. He wants to, but he's become weary. The constant chiding and complaint. They hadn't been out of Israel long. They had, I mean, they, they just got through eating bread. I mean, God's given them everything they needed. Now he's having to deal with the attack of the flesh, the Amalekites. Problem became too much. But watch in verse number 12. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. I know the stone. You read after these educated men, it's a picture of Christ. You remember Moses is going to smite the rock later. He did have a problem with the flesh. His problem was anger. But what I want you to see, and it's just setonology. It's not deep. I told you they didn't save the best to last. They set a rock under him. You know why? To give him some rest. That's deep, ain't it? He needed some rest. It is not, I am your elder by 10 years. It's not wrong for you to rest. It's not wrong for you to take a few days and take your wife and your children while they are still little because you're going to turn around and they're going to be gone. There's nothing wrong with taking a few days of rest. In church, there's nothing wrong with letting your pastor rest. See, you can't preach these things when you're the pastor. There's nothing wrong with letting him have some rest. There's a preacher that's real good friends with all of us, and he just went through a serious physical illness, and a bunch of preachers up in our areas raising money so him and his wife can take off. You say, well, he's been out of the pulpit. Five. He's been sick. He's been in the hospital. He's just now starting to recover. And he needs some time away. He need, you're recording these, ain't you? He needed some time away before the sickness came. Because pressures. I didn't get saved. I was 28. We've talked about it. I got saved out of some of the worst places of Knoxville, Tennessee. I don't even want to talk about what I used to be. But some of the most cruelest people I've ever met is since I've been saved they'll glory over your fall. And if you don't fall, they'll glory over the fall of your children. And right there is where I'd like to backslide for about 30 minutes and take them out somewhere and give them a little bit of instruction and some hands-on uh, uh, advice and guidance and because you never know. You never know how your children's going to turn out. You don't know how a marriage is going to turn out. Uh, it's just but by the grace of God. Uh, Brother James Langston told us years ago, he said, You better never say never in the ministry. They took the stone and put it under him, and he sat down. Thank God he had some men that saw that the man of God was weary. We've had this man just recently get saved just going through Romans on Wednesday night two years ago now. We got over there in Romans 5 and Romans 4 and just that died of the word of God. He saw that he was a sinner and he saw God would save him. And just Wednesday night going through the Bible verse by verse and he'll stand up and he'll say God took the book of Romans and opened my eyes that I was lost. He was in the military. I don't understand this language. He said I love to be the tip of the arrow. I don't know what that means. But he's always told me, he said, Preacher, if you ever have any trouble, he said, just nod. I'm going to start taking him with me. <laughs> I'm going to say, trouble, 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 trouble. I've always wanted to have somebody like that. The ones I had, we, we had a problem one time, this bunch of motorcyclists drew up, drove up at the gate. I mean, a bunch of Harleys, loud, I love them, loud, thundering. And we was all in the fellowship hall working. Was you there? You better not say you was there, a young preacher in our church. And here's the looks like the hell's angels down there at the gate of the church. And everybody stood there. I said, well, I guess while I make the big money and I go down there. I always wanted some of them. That was, My daddy had some. Uh, you didn't talk about my daddy around Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, there were some old sinners saved by the grace of God. Uh, I'm not talking about going back and beating them. They loved their man of God. They stood with their man of God. Uh, they realized this thing was bigger than them. Uh, they realized that God had ordained a way to victory. Aaron and her, they stood with the man of God. In verse 12, that's where I got that title at. In verse 12, the Bible said, And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. That's what the word stayed. It means to hold up. They saw his need and they did something about it. They didn't run off and they didn't run him off. See, there's a lot of compromise going on today. There's a lot of pressure being put on your pastor. And I don't even know him that well. Some need to let you, man of God know whose side you're on. See, it's easy to be on his side when everything's going good. You find out in our text who's on your side when war's going on. Isn't it amazing that in November of last year, and I asked God to give us something to bring to Landrum, South Carolina, this is what God ordained for us. You called me the day I laid my pen down in the study. I said, I just finished. He didn't say, what was it? Here, add this or that. I said, I just got finished with what God wants me to bring. See, I don't know how long this is going to end either. I've never preached it before. (laughs) Watch this. The end of verse number 12. Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side, the other on the other side, his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. They stayed till the end. Brother Philbeck's choir sung that song Brother Dean Shook wrote years ago. It's been worth every mile. It's been worth every try. There's been those that said, I'll go with you all the way. Who'll stay to the end? Who'll stay with your preacher till the end? Who'll stand with him? Who'll stand for him? See, that's the divine order that God's ordained for the church to be successful. Who'll stay to the end? Who'll stand with him till the end? Who'll steady the man of God's hands? Until the going down of the sun, till the journey's over, till the battle's ended, till the victory's won. I'm originally from Knoxville, Tennessee. My blood runs orange. I, I love Tennessee, but I've already told them I'm going to die in them mountains, Lord willing. That's become my home. See, some said when I went there, they said that'll be a good place for you to go to go somewhere else. That sounds like the way they're marrying today. I don't want to get. I want. I want to try to end it nice. And I didn't go to leave. I went to stay. you here to stay? Will you come to the altar, preacher? Is your wife in here? Can you come? Is your children in here? I know there's one. There's the other. Would you all come down here with your daddy? I don't even know who's church members here and who's not. You gonna stand with your preacher? So it looks like Zeke and Bubba walking there. seen anybody down here? No, brother Jack shook. He was preaching at WKJV this past week. He just retired. From the pastor. Brother Jack said this, and he said, Most of you won't understand. But he said, When I retired, he said, like fifty something years he pastored up there. He said there was such a load lifted off. He's still preaching, still preaching, still doing meetings, but that load that this young family's carrying, that is part of the ministry. That is the call into the ministry. They don't have to carry it alone. Every head bowed, every eye closed while they're here in the office.